It's episode 161 of the Improv London podcast. I'm your host, Stuart Moses, and this week's guest is Jeff Monk. Hello, Stuart. Hello, Jeff. Can I call you Stumo? You may, you may. The thing with nicknames is if the person likes the nickname too much, then it kind of it loses its power and attraction for everybody else. Whereas if they're slightly awkward and like, yeah, okay, then that, that's the best situation for it to be in. Yes, you may address me in any way, in any way, manner you desire. Stuart. Whatever you, whatever you like is, is intelligent. <laughs> I'd like to talk about the British Improv Project, first of all. And for those people that have never been to the British Improv Project, how would you describe it? I would say that that bit of disappointment you get when the two hours of your improv weekly classes ended and you wish that that just could be repeated in consecutive uh, lengths over 48 hours. Uh, and it just is wonderful to see lots of different people getting together from different parts of the country, some of whom you might have met before if you've been before, and other people who are, you thought, I didn't realise this broad amount of improv existed across the UK with all these people from different talents, and why haven't I met them before? And it's just a, it's a great discovery of improv fun. Oh, yeah, and it uh, runs twice a year, and it's we're at Yarnfield Park at the moment? Yes, uh, we're, we're liking Yarnfield Park right now up in Staffordshire, and it's just off the M6, uh, conveniently served by a mainline station from London in <laughs> only about an hour and 20 minutes. <laughs> if we can drag people out of London, great. But it is it, it was set up as a regional thing because London's got a lot of, of uh, improv already. Um, but... Equally, is the British Improv Project, and we're, we're attracting people from Scotland. And my, our next lure is trying to get re- real people in from uh, Belfast, perhaps, and uh, other parts of Northern Ireland. And, and we do get people further afield anyway. So we get people from Germany. Uh, some, some from Norway is coming to our next one. Uh, we've had several people from the States before. And it's all good. It's all good. It's great. It's great to have so many people coming together. And I really like its regional nature. There was one time that I came and it was widely said that there were two people from London here and that was me and Tom Hodge and neither of us came from London. So I'm in Reading and he's in Oxford or was at the time anyway. So, um, yeah. yeah. And as you say, it's a really great opportunity to just uh, yeah, meet people from around the country and find out what's going on, you know, in different places because there's so much diversity. Yeah. And, and regional, especially having colleagues in the north, makes it a lot cheaper to run than if we were down in London conference centre prices. So that's one of the reasons we're able to do it for such good value, I think. And another reason is, is because of the support of all the, the generosity of the improv philosophy that teachers bring along, uh, people who have got the experience, who you perhaps learned off in your class, an improv class that you have been attending for a, a little bit, of those people well, they could equally teach other people from around the country. And to them, there'll be a new, wonderful teacher. And everyone teaches differently. So rather than have the same two or three teachers in your group that teach again and again, you get to sample lots of other people's styles and uh, methods. 
Yes, yes. And um, the way it works is that you pay to come on the weekend and then you pitch. I know this is Tom Young. We, we should mention Tom, who is... Yes, I'll get to Tom in a I mean, if you want to get me to go back to the very beginning of this imp and how, uh, sorry, uh, of uh, British Info Projects and how it came about, I can do that in, a, in less than a minute-ish. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this podcast isn't really about brevity, but um, let's, yeah. So I was just going to say that, um, yeah, well, okay. Well, we can maybe cover that, but it's, it's basically you, your books come on the weekend and then you pitch. And then if Tom selects your pitch and you teach, then you get money back off your, your ticket price. Is that the, is that who you just right. yes. uh, wants to make sure that the teachers who pitched actually show, showed up. So we do make everyone pay up front and then we give them a rebate after they've actually been and done the teaching. Uh, because if, if we did it up front, they might just, what happens if they don't show up? <laughs> that was my fear. But although we, we, we'll get we can comfortable with that, that, everybody does, pretty much everyone shows up, which is great. <laughs> Lucky, because it's all printed, it's laid out in a programme, and we, we don't do the programme until maybe about three or four weeks before the event. Uh, so what's the amazing faith that people show is that they don't know exactly what they're coming to, but it's something magical. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, they put faith in in us, uh, um, myself and Tom, to produce uh, an event that they're going to enjoy. And even if they're coming for the first time, I uh, love here first time as saying it exceeded their expectations and things like that. Right? That really warms the hearts of uh, uh, everyone who goes. So if I just swing back to how it all started, that might be a good idea. Um, I was in my local improv group in Nottingham, uh, which is um, Miss Imp, Mission Improbable, it's short for, which started nearly 25 years ago now. And I'd also started another group in Nottingham called Nottingham Improv Comedy Experience, or NICE. And uh, these two groups were uh, chumbling along uh, Mondays and Thursdays. And um, I I thought when we uh, occasionally invited guest teachers to come over, from wherever they would come over. Um, it was a wonderful experience. We'd have a, maybe a, a, a weekend daytime, usually just an afternoon intensive, and we might get to see do, do something with them in the evening. And I just You just want that to continue, and you think that's, that's just not long enough. You, you're gasping for more. And also, because you've imported this teacher, sometimes quite a long way at some expense, it's not a cheaper event for that three hours that you're teaching you get. So it might be a £50 or £60 workshop for three hours or something like that. And you think, well, um, these these very good teacher, though they were, wouldn't it be nice? We've got lots of um, talented teachers around the country within improv groups. Um, I put it to the group, um, Missant, um, why don't we have if, uh, a residential? And because Nottingham's improv group, Missant, was, I think it's because it was a pretty big group to start with and quite diverse, with quite a lot of teachers in it already, uh, they, they seemed to be comfortable where they were and they didn't really show a lot of enthusiasm for running a, a weekend in Derbyshire, which was my first proposal. <laughs> so, let's all go to a youth hostel for the weekend and do some improv and... Um, they, well, I put this to, uh, I went to a Birmingham Smackdown and Tom was there and uh, John Trevor was there and uh, some other people from the improv scene. And I, I spoke to John Trevor and Tom Young and I said, 
Yeah, if I if I was to invite twenty people to a weekend in Derbyshire residential, and we'd had two classes, and you did some teaching, I did some teaching, we did some teaching, and maybe some other people who did some teaching, we could put together a whole weekend of fun for people. And um, yeah, would you be up for that? So they said, yeah, we'd support you. And that was the, the my main concern was that I'd put something on, um, finance it, and then nobody would show up. So. Um, I chose the youth hostel because at low cost uh, and getting getting people in. And I expected about 20 people and we got 30 on the first event. And that sort of set the trend for two classes of 15 people each. And it couldn't be more than uh, two classes because they only had two rooms for us to use. So uh, I thought, well, 15 people each, that seemed to work. It wasn't too many, it wasn't too, too few. Um, and it economically worked out all right. So... Uh, it included all the food, it included accommodation, and the youth hostel was great and fun, and the Derbyshire atmosphere was wonderful. And it was, but it was, uh, I think it was November, so it was a bit chilly. <laughs> we couldn't use the full, take full advantage. And actually, you really can't go far from the place where you are because that's what you're all together, and you have drinks, and you you spend the whole weekend together. And so. Um, it came to pass that people thought, well, that was wonderful, Jeff. Thank you very much for organising it. And I did it pretty much all myself, except that uh, I, I scheduled all the classes and things. But then Tom uh, said, well, I'll help you compare it. Yeah, you, I'll be your compare for the weekend. So oh, I'll take a lot of pressure off me. Thanks, Tom. And uh, then after that event, he said, well, we could do more with this. And I said, oh, yeah, I want to do more. And he um, said, well, how about... I, did, I scheduled the classes and you take care of the accommodation side of things and, and organising and getting people there. So that's how it came about, These the two positions. Uh, Tom took uh, over the training, which was great because I, I just like holding the event <laughs> and uh, getting people there. And then that, that's the, the buzz for me. And I did some teaching and that what, that's what happened next was People said, well, it was wonderful. The feedback was wonderful. We had a feedback form. And they said, but multi-share, six people to a room was a bit uh, a bit hectic. And could we do better? So we upped our accommodation cost and looked, to, looked for venues. And we found other venues that uh, would do twin and singles, single rooms. So uh, it, it moved on and on. And now we're up to event number 14. So... Uh, seven years later. So apart from the four we lost during the pandemic, uh, we haven't missed any since uh, November 2015 when we started. Wow, that's fantastic. So how's the event changed in the seven years? It's got a lot bigger. (laughs) (laughs) And pre-pandemic, it actually got uh, too big that Tom and I couldn't handle it on our own. so we, we, we upped it to, first of all, three rooms. Uh, so I think we went to 50 on the next one. So we had uh, three, possibly four workshops going on at the same time. And then um, we found a venue that we... And venue capacity was an issue as well. So you have to find a venue that has got plenty of large workshop-sized rooms. There's plenty of uh, conference centres that have got lots of rooms, but... They've either got massive rooms or tiny rooms for little board meetings and things. It's hard to get that balance right. 
that, um, and they've got to have availability, so you've got to book a long time in advance. Um, the search has been quite hard at times, uh, but we've found some nice country houses. We've found uh, hotels on the edge of towns. Um, uh, so we've probably had about seven different venues altogether, uh, some of which we'd have liked to have used again, but because the the cost we got at that particular time, it might have been a bargain or short notice or something, but next time I went back to them, they wanted a lot more for it. So it was maybe an introductory offer. But uh, so the Armfield Park has been very consistent and supportive and is just a lovely venue as well. I love Yonfield Park. I think there's something, I mean, yeah, the, the venue itself is great. The rooms are great. I also like the fact that we're in kind of rooms that are nearby. And it really gives me the feeling of being at university and like walking from my halls of residence to my yeah. lectures back again and just bumping into all these people that I know and that really I really like. And I'm like, I don't get this anymore. <laughs> Yeah, it's like a nice bit of fresh air. Well, even if it's raining, there's there's a covered walkway for most of it. Yeah. Um, so um, another change is the introduction of the welfare officers. Yes, it, it's actually taught me quite a bit about managing a larger event. Um, so pre-pandemic, um, we had an event where it went up to 90 people with six consecutive workshops, and that was at... Uh, um, Stoke Rochford Hall in Grantham and it was then that we realised um, and it might have been the one before the pre-pandemic one so you know, it was one of those uh, last ones before the pandemic we realised that uh, Tom and I were just running it on our own we couldn't watch up, watch what people we couldn't look out for people's welfare and when it was a small event we could but also we we perhaps were, were a little bit uh, inexperienced in running a large event in that we just thought, well, everyone from improv is nice and they will look after each other. That's the uh, improv adage, just look after your scene partner. And that is fine when you're in your local group and you do look after you, you're going to see the same people again and again. Uh, and that's fine when you're in your local group and you can know you see each other regularly, you look after your scene partners, but when a whole bunch of strangers are pushed together, there are some additional uh, concerns about interactions between individuals who are meeting for the first time. They don't know each other's nuances and uh, needs and uh, other aspects of interpersonal relationships that inevitably uh, crop up when strangers meet. So um, we've had to take it a bit more seriously uh, in terms of it's not just uh, individuals' responsibility, it's our responsibility to at least show and care, show, show that we care and actually, well, we do care and actively care, uh, which is why we uh, got together with some of the regular attendees from, particularly from Sheffield and uh, Alex and Bobby stepped forward and said they would they would help uh, form a welfare committee or welfare team. Um, so yes, yeah, a welfare team, and we, we we developed the policy, and we helped we were helped with it by uh, Steve from London, from uh, your um, uh, Steve Rowe from Hoopla. Steve Rowe, Rowe from Hoopla. Yeah, he he had suggestions. He said he, we could use his um, 
policies as uh, templates as well are free to use those so we we took some of those looked at them discussed them and and see how they would be applied to the british info project and um, these twice a year meetings and of course we do have plans to meet between uh meetings but they do it, it comes around quickly even though it seems six months away seven months away it comes around quickly and uh yeah, as the future develops, we will get on to additional events, I'm sure. I think I think we will. Oh, that would be exciting. Uh, smaller, smaller events as well. So we'll keep the two main events as they are and perhaps have smaller um, residentials as well. So a little bit more personal and uh, focused on one subject, whatever people want them to be. So we'll put up feelers at some point as to what people want from other events that sounds fantastic um i'm interested in um your what i want people to do obviously i want them to come to the british improv project but in a sense it's already it's already sold out how how soon does it sell out it doesn't quite because you used to release the tickets for the next one during the previous one and then would would it sell out before the previous one had finished that's not actually happened, but um, so it was like 3 p.m. We would go home, and I that same day or evening, I would activate the next booking form. So to keep, so people would be excited about rebooking, and that, uh, I've not needed to do that for several events now because um, people subscribe very quickly, uh, and the more we have, the last the last one sold out in. Th- not completely, but almost sold out in three days. Wow. Uh, whereas the previous one was two weeks or three weeks before it was full. And we've now got, we've got 15 people on the waiting list for this next one. I know that, um, I think it was maybe 10 o'clock or something like that, possibly a Sunday night when you released it. I, don't, I can't remember exactly, yeah, but I was just about getting ready to go to bed. And I'm like, yeah. oh no, oh no. <laughs> The, you know the forms open there was a message on spawned and the forms open i'm like oh no i now have to i can't go to bed because if i go to bed and then i miss out because i went to bed <laughs> but luckily the form only takes about two minutes to complete well yes well it, it does it well it sort of does but then you had a new category this time about <laughs> running a fringe event and i had an idea for a fringe event which i hadn't really thought through anyway <laughs> You, you can always email Fringe Events ideas later because we don't write the programme until near the time. <laughs> well, I know that now, but I was in a panic at the time. But, I, uh, I can understand. Like, I know where you're coming from. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm just so, so what I want really is to, uh, to encourage other people to organise other events so that I can go to those as well. So I'm interested in your kind of... Um, the, the, the sort of the, the, the process from, you know from the start to the end of a, of a British improv project weekend? How, how, what's the first thing you do for the next one? Uh, first of all, I make a duplicate of the previous <laughs> Google form, and then I adapt it for, uh, for the next event. I discuss it with the uh, committee, uh, the welfare team and Tom, and say, uh, do we need any more questions in here? Do we need to take any out? Do we need to change any questions? Uh, and then once that's happy, I'll say, right, um, it's going to be released on uh, such and such a date. Uh, now, 
uh, I do make sure that Tom uh, uh, Young and Tom Hodge, who are key players, and, and also the welfare team who are actually coming uh, uh, because part of their uh, yeah part of their um, advantage of being on the welfare team is they get then they, they now get priority entry so they they guarantee the space so I make sure that's all that we've all filled the form out first which takes uh, about seven spaces straight away so uh, out of those seven spaces then there's another it's uh, how many is it this time seventy five we're going to so there's another. 68 70 spaces uh, left and we're not strict on the 75 precisely but we don't want to go above 80 so if uh, if 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 say we cleared the if several people dropped out and we cleared 13 people off the 15 people waiting list i would be reluctant to not include the last two people who waited a while yeah so it's always worth putting yourself down on the waiting list because uh, people drop out waiting lists and people drop out the event. So once you've got the form out and, you know, people are replying and things like that, what, what's the next step in, in, the, in the admin for... for right, so, uh, copy the, all the email addresses over to a different column. <laughs> <laughs> in a spreadsheet, because uh, it all comes across on the spreadsheet from Google Forms now. Uh, and then I email everybody who's uh, up to the, the limit of how many people are coming. I want to advise initially say, right, if you're coming, you've now been successful, please can you pay a deposit by this date, uh, bank transfer to the British Project Treasury account. So they will hopefully will do that. And that takes ooh, two to three weeks of drip, drip, drip. So some people pay immediately. Some people you have to face and, and remind and other, and other people uh, have changed their mind by the time you've contacted them. So you can then uh, contact the next people on the waiting list. Yeah, I'm sorry that you've had to remind me in the past. Uh, I wasn't having a dig. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Everybody does it. Everybody does it. Uh, <laughs> life gets in the way, and uh, I want to make doubly sure that people are contacted a couple of times before I say, I'm sorry, you haven't been paid. Yeah, we'll have to get the next person on the waiting list, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if I know your regular attendees, people go on holiday, all sorts of things happen. So I, I try to be as fair as possible with that process. Um, uh, Tom starts to make a, keep an eye on who, who's coming from, who's ticked the box that's saying they want to teach. And then uh, at some point, which he should be doing fairly soon now, actually. Uh, no, because I'm not ready. I don't know what to pitch. January, so it's four, it's four months away, or under four months away now is the next one. So... Uh, we've got a list of every yeah, everybody who's coming, so he'll be contacting. He'll send, he sends out an email to everybody who said they want to teach, asking for pitches, and they usually have three or four weeks to pitch. Yes, um, I um, yes. I, as soon as <laughs> as soon as one British Improv project is finished, I'm like, oh, I better start thinking about why I'm going to pitch for the next one. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I've, I. Um, it's a real, it's the highlight of my year, um, getting to run uh, workshops at uh, the British Improv Project, um, because I run a lot of things for beginners in Reading where I am, which is great, and I will always do it, and it's very rewarding. But there is something nice about the way in which people have self-selected to come to the British Improv Project, and then because of the, uh, and then they've also selected to come to my workshop. So it's like, okay, this, 
you can just do things that are a little bit deeper, um, a little bit more, I don't know, intense. It's probably the word. Um, so yes, but anyway. So yeah, I, I need to start. I need to start thinking about what I want to pitch because uh, anyway. Yeah. And right. yeah, just just as an aside, I think one thing that surprised me is that uh, nobody else seems to have organised anything on the same scale. There are, uh, that I've noticed anyway, I've, I've noticed, not in the UK anyway, there are, uh, in, there's an there's, um, improv hotel that goes down in New York or somewhere, or Ibiza. There's an uh, improv camp in America or something that takes place, but that's a huge, vast market of improvisers over there. But in England, we have now got probably enough people that we could have more events. So I don't want to think that I'm monopolising the the here. Uh, uh, residential event market for for larger events and uh, but it is quite tricky to find a, a venue and I would like to say that anybody listening and who needs help and advice on looking for a venue then do get in touch um, oh, lovely so, um, yeah uh, there's, there's one actually that, that actually happens at about uh, 20 minutes away from me uh, organised by Maria Peters from London oh and yes I haven't been to it um, but it's a, it's, it sounds like a lovely residential a little, a little event for about 12 people so it's quite a small event and there are probably more of those than I, than I know about that happen around the country Yeah, um, I'm, uh, I'm, Maria has been on this podcast about six years ago and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping she'll come back on again because um, I went down to Bristol recently and did some uh, workshops with her so um, she was one of my first improv teachers uh, at Hoopla when I started. Um, yeah, Maria's, Maria's great. Um, there's also the Maydays retreat as well. That's the only other one I can think of. Um, uh, yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, I'll have to confess is that I, uh, I've i not been to the Maydays re- retreat and I'm afraid I just c- can't really afford to. And oh God, that is the, the problem. It's, it's pitched at a certain level. Yeah. I know they can't afford to do it for less either because they're it's all run by um, people who make their income from improvisers. So I appreciate that, and yeah. I'm not trying. So the 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 idea was never to compete with this other event because it 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 has its own attendees and they they always are very successful and that's great. Um, um, but uh, yeah, I I thought well, there's the scope there for for something that's uh, more affordable for everybody to to be able to come to a similar event um even if the teaching is of a different style i mm. I, I don't think the teaching is uh any different in quality i think we've got some amazing quality teachers and we have some very lucky finds and what happens is that uh if you get a, a well-known teacher coming as has happened to some events, then their workshops get a little bit oversubscribed. So I'd like to say thank you to to, to Chris, for example, who uh, managed to not refuse to take anybody in his workshop, and it turned into a massive twenty-five person workshop instead of the the fifteen we aim for. And uh, normally we ask uh, for people to step aside if if you go to the work to the corner of the room where. Um, you, you've uh, chosen to go for your, for your workshop and there's already 17, 18 people and there's another one that choose, could you please choose again, have a second choice in mind, but we're not strict about that and um, 
but if it if it does continue, we might have to. We haven't. I don't know. I tell you what, we haven't actually come up with any ideas how to avoid that at the moment, other than choosing in advance, which you can't do fairly. I don't think there's no there seems to be no way to do it fairly by doing it in advance. No. Um, so yes, Chris Mead's um, class, uh, yes, was excellent, and um, the way in which he designed it, it meant that you could have a larger class size, um, and it, it still worked. So, so that that was really great. Yes, um, I agree. I think the system that – do you want to describe the system that we've got for um... – so, uh, we, we go to the biggest room we have, which is uh, also used for our evening shows. And uh, I say, right, or Tom says, right, all right, can we have the teachers up here? And each teacher is going to describe – what they're going to teach. It's already in the programme, but they're going to tell you again anyway. And it might sound <laughs> slightly different. Because not everybody the... reads the programme. I read the programme in yeah. great, great detail, but not everybody does. I accept that. Uh, and it, it sounds different to when you read it off, you sort off the paper to yourself. So having it straight from the teacher's mouth. So they, they give a 30-second or so pitch again to for their particular workshop, which is starting imminently. And then once the... Uh, four or five teachers have done it however many classes we're running concurrently then um, we've only got four corners so we might use the middle as well so uh, one teacher in each corner somebody in the middle and they say right go to go and stand with your teachers uh, and then okay everyone's selected off you go to your workshop rooms and uh, we also tell people which workshop room it's going to be in as well it helps um, seems to work pretty smoothly amazing yeah I, I, it's the best system that I've encountered. And uh, when you are teaching, it's both the best and the worst moment of your year because it's like, well, <laughs> here I have made myself vulnerable. Uh, are people going to come and join me? Uh, are they not? Um, but also, um, if there is an advantage, if there is a, is a workshop that is very highly subscribed, then going to a different workshop, you know, you're going to get more stage time. So, you know, there's... there's, yeah, there's that you is know. A, a good advantage. And sometimes we have to shuffle rooms around at the very last second because we realised that the workshop that uh, is in the smallest room was a lot more popular and the workshop that's in the largest room is maybe not so much pop not so popular. So we might just swap those around at the last second um, before people depart. And one of the things I like about that flexibility is that sometimes you don't know in advance what you're going to want to do at that point. I mean, I, the way I approach it is I always plan it out. I always have a plan of which workshops I go to, because if I don't make a plan, I don't have enough mental power to decide in the moment. But if I have a plan, then I can diverge from that plan. Uh, yeah. Based on, based on what I've heard. So um, it's the best system I've heard. Oh, good. Um, yes. Oh, and the food. Oh, let's talk about the food. Let's talk about the food. <laughs> yeah, we can't go uh, talking about British Info Project without mentioning the food. And uh, we we go buffet style every time because, uh, and the Yarnfield Park has done it the best so far. They have four different choices of um, main, and then they have a table for buffet salads and and buffet desserts uh, and a coffee machine to help yourself and fruit juice machine to help yourself. And it just works really well. They, we are there at the same time with other groups and these tend to be from, we've had gospel groups, we've had uh, uh, business student groups, we've had all sorts. And in fact, in the last one, there was a, uh, the business students approached uh, Alex and Bobby uh, and 
said, could you run a workshop for us? So I think they, they ran like a 40-minute taster workshop in, in their break. So when, when on Saturday afternoon where we have a gap, they ran a workshop for them, which is... Wow. That's the improv spirit, isn't it? It's like, yeah. yes, and this is what we're going to do. Wow, that's fantastic. So let's, let's go um, even further back in time. And I want to find, hear about how you first got into improv and then maybe a little bit more about what you did in Nottingham with the two groups that you created. Okay, so uh, my improv journey started uh, as part of a next stage product run by, uh, project run by uh, Nottinghamshire County Council, I believe, not the City Council. And there was a, a, it was an arts programme and it's called Next Stage and they did clowning, stand-up comedy, singing from scratch, improv and probably oh, uh, acting, acting for camera and uh, acting for auditions, acting audition speeches. So I, over a course of a couple of years, I took all the classes, <laughs> it, it, one in each term. So it was something I did on, a, on an evening once a week for eight weeks at a time. Uh, and I think the, uh, the improv was one of the latter things that I did. And the teacher was Andy Barrett, who's a Nottingham playwright and organises, he writes for the plays for the Playhouse and he organises large uh, scale community theatre events uh, as a, on an outreach programme. But at the time, he was asked to, to do improv classes and he'd done some uh, from the way he was from the West Country originally. I have to ask him about that again at some point. But uh, he started. Um, uh, he got he kicked off the group by saying, right, well, eight weeks and then uh, there's a performance before other students as a showcase. Okay, we'll do that. Yeah, we did. Oh, that was great. Uh, there was about 15, 14 of us on the course, maybe, and maybe uh, 10 of us did the performance. Uh, and that was fantastic. And we, we said, oh, we want to do more and more. And so, okay, there was a second eight weeks of improv classes in the next term. Um so we were all very happy to do that. And I think it whittled down to about uh, eight enthusiastic core members. And they said, well, uh, Andy said, well, uh, after this, uh, there's not going to be any more courses. So if you want to carry on, you're, you're kind of on your own. Um, uh, why not? But I can, I can, what I can do for you is help you organise a performance for, your, for that showcase in a public place. So we went to uh, the Multicross uh, old time music hall in Nottingham, and it was upstairs. They had an upstairs balcony. We were on a sort of middle balcony, precariously balanced, and you can find that on YouTube. Uh, wow! Uh, it's a inaugural performance or Mission Improbable's first performance. So that was in um, nineteen ninety six or so. Um, I can't quite remember. About twenty five years ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, we did that. Enjoyed it, and we carried on. We said, well, uh, us core, eight of us or so, we'll, we'll carry on. So we started, uh, you know, the usual thing, looking for a club to perform in. And, uh, we would be rehearsing in each other's houses. Um, so that, that was settled down into a pattern. And eventually um, people started, one, one, one girl went to London, one, yeah, another, so, so people move away. So, well, dwindling, dwindling, what are we going to do? 
But this was even pre-internet, really. I mean, the internet existed, but nothing like social media existed or uh, ways of getting it out. So it was all old-fashioned leafleting to get your message across. Um, but we managed to find a way to reach out and say we were, were looking for uh, a couple of actors to join our group uh, to do some improv. And uh, that brought in, uh, I think, three new people, including um, Marilyn Bird and Nick Tyler. And... Uh, Clayton Fussell, who also now lives in uh, only 20 miles away from me, he, he moved back to Plymouth area. <laughs> and I live down in Launceston, uh, only 20 miles from him. So I do see him again sometimes, but for a long time he moved like Anyway, that's the side. Um, going back to that particular start, it then, um, well, there's actually a history of Miss Imp, an oral history of Miss Imp is online somewhere. Um, not quite sure where, but it was recorded a couple of years ago. So that started. Uh, well, if there's if there's already an oral history, um, yes. we'll find that link and we'll share that when I uh, when I release the episode. So, um, but then you also created Nice. Yeah, it bumped along for a, a few years as uh, Miss Imp, and we did various things. I, I was in charge of the group for the first ten years, myself and Justin, and then Nick Tyler sort of uh, came in when Justin went to Edinburgh. Uh, so it was me and Nick Tyler running it. And then in about 2009, I went to um, Canada for five five months. And so I said, you look after it now, Nick. Um, I'm going to be away for a while. I'll be back. Uh, so I went to Canada. I went to Loose Moose in Calgary uh, with Keith Johnson. Uh, was running. He was not running it anymore, but he still turned up occasionally, watched the shows, and uh, met him a couple of times. Wow. Still alive, he's still there. Uh, I don't think he's teaching anymore, but uh, he was particularly keen on mask work, and I did a bit of that with um, his protege Steve Durand, who uh, who was uh, out of Loose Moose in Calgary. Uh, so that anyway, I did that for a few months. I even got to compare the shows and stuff there. It was great. They're a very welcoming group. I uh, came back to Nottingham, and I got back into it slightly but it was clear that I'd been away for five months new people had turned up and um I, I began to take a more of a back seat and that it um, other people do, do stuff and stuff like that so that, that carried on for a while and I thought well you know the group actually was getting quite crowded so sometimes you get 20 people turning up on a Thursday evening and it was always Thursday evenings and so, oh, sometimes even 25 people. So yeah. you didn't get much stage time. I said, well, perhaps we could do with another night as well. So I'll set another night up. And I was keen. So I set up a, a different night on on Thursday, on Monday's call, which was not too important, probably experience as a different venue. And then we got, we were getting sometimes up to 25 people on that. And there was a bit of crossover, uh, but we were much of a beginner's class because we were less established. So I think people who... Uh, wanted to advance more quickly, then went over to Miss Imp because that got uh, uh, already got a structure of more teachers, whereas uh, it was just myself and maybe one other person teaching at uh, Nice. So that's probably uh, led to me thinking about okay, there's that, there's Miss Imp. That's when the sort of British improv project uh, idea started brewing in my head because uh, I enjoyed improv so much 
I didn't want to do it with the same people all the time, much as I love doing it with the same people all the time. I, I liked it when people come, came from other places. I, I was going to Edinburgh to see shows. Um, I looked for other improv in the area. I went to Sheffield to see some shows. And uh, I went to Birmingham to this Smackdown. So that's when it all happened in a year or so. Uh, and I decided that I really wanted to, to run something different. Fantastic, fantastic. Okay, so um, I have some big, some big final questions for you. So, oh, uh, what are you up to now? Tell me about improv in the West Country. Okay, so Exeter's got a good scene. Every couple of weeks, there's a workshop up in Exeter, and I've taught that workshop twice uh, recently, and I'm scheduled to do it again in February. So it's just a. a an all-rounders workshop, uh, something for all levels. It's an all-levels workshop. So uh, just playtime, mixture of short-form games and scenes, probably mostly scenes. And, uh, yeah, that's that's good fun. That's good going. Down here, I understand there is one in, there is one in Falmouth I'm in touch with. But both of these places, unfortunately, Falmouth is 60 miles from me and, and Exeter is 50 miles from me. So... Right. I'm stuck in the middle here, and uh, it's a little bit quieter. Uh, although the potential's there, the pandemic put a damper on things. So when I was enthusiastic about starting it all, <laughs> uh, it didn't happen. But luckily, there is a theatre three miles away called Sturts, and it's on the edge of Bodmin Moor. It's a fascinating place. It's got, theoretically, it's got 400-seat theatre, but wow. probably more 300 seats because they're all benches. And it's covered by giant one of these giant canvases, so it's actually outdoors, indoors, if you like. It's exposed at the bases to the elements. So uh, I, um, my wife and I, so we went, we went to um, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat performance in uh, early December. And it was fantastic. It was done by the Youth Theatre. They did a fantastic show. And so uh, it's potential maybe the Youth Theatre or maybe some of the adults would like to, to do some improv uh, and... I'm going to choose my moment to get to get in there sort of thing. So um, been, been and done a workshop once, but then there's been a change of personnel in the last few months and they're, and they're finding their feet again. So uh, I'll make inroads again soon. Um, Fantastic. Well, best of luck with that. Um, so if somebody was going to step on stage of you to play a short form game, to do a scene, uh, whatever you like, um, what could they do to delight you? Oh, <laughs> delights me. Uh, I think I, I, I like just being just positive, uh, surprising offers that mm -hmm. uh, take the scene in an unexpected direction. But as long as they don't give me too much information, shoot, 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 like this piece of information, this, yeah. You know, just a couple of pieces of information are fine. Let's work on just one premise or two premises and uh, uh, so a couple of scene devices. Uh, and, and absolutely anything can delight me, really. I'm quite easy to please. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, that's lovely to know. Um, and I think they should be just confident on stage. It, unless, if, if I can tell their character is nervous, that's different. But if they're coming on... Uh, no, no, actually... Absolutely, everybody delights me because as long as you know what you're dealing with, uh, if you know you've got a 
you, know, you can be generous and you can handle that. But if you've got somebody really experienced, you're kind of expecting them to be confident. All improv is delightful, and that's why I love it. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, in which case, you have answered all my questions correctly, and I have only one last thing to say, and that's thank you for being a guest on the Improv London podcast. Thank you, Stuart. Do I go through to the next round? You go through. You're going to boot camp. Yay! <laughs> I made this. That's improv. <laughs> <laughs>